You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. On this first Sunday of 2024, I have a question for you. How are you doing? Now, I'm not looking for the church answer to that question. You understand what I mean by that? We get to church, a brother or sister in Christ says, How are you doing? Good? Fine? We've learned to wear these Christian masks. Trying to make everybody think we're doing great. When in reality, we're struggling. How are you doing? In our Bible study this morning, we went around the room and talked about New Year's resolutions, goals for the new year. Had a fun time talking through those. But if some of you were honest today, you might say something like this. Resolutions? I'm just trying to make it through the week. If we were transparent with with each other today, we might be surprised at how many of us would say, I'm weary. I'm weary. If that's the case with you this morning, and if it's not the case, it'll probably be the case later on in this year. But if that's the case with you this morning, the Lord has a word for us. Found in Isaiah chapter 40. So would you turn there with me, Isaiah chapter 40. Turn to the end of that chapter because we're going to read verses 28 through 31. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 28 through 31. And when you found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able, to please stand with me. In honor of the reading of God's Word. Just a quick heads up about the sermon schedule for this first part of the year. I'm going to preach another sermon next week about what Jesus has to say to the weary. Uh, So I'm excited about that from Isaiah chapter 50. Um, But after that, that following Sunday, we'll begin a sermon series titled The Twelve Stones Initiative. I'm going to lay out for you over five weeks' time some some goals uh, for our church in this year and the coming years. It's going to be sort of a vision series. And so I'm asking you to just make every effort to be here as we discuss some really exciting things about 
the direction our church is headed, the 12 Stones Initiative. More about that in the very near future. There in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, the Bible says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray together this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you in this moment gathered as a faith family around your word. Lord, with expectancy, trusting, Lord, that you will use this time to speak into our lives. So, God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would take your inerrant, infallible, inspired, authoritative, sufficient word and apply it to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to leave this place leaning on you. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. To give you a bit of context related to chapter 40, We need to take note of the fact that in chapter 39, God declared to Hezekiah and to his people that because of their rebellion, he would send judgment. God told Hezekiah that he would give them into the hands of the Babylonian Empire. And God knew that when his people went through this time of subjugation to Babylon, when they would be taken into exile and captivity, that they would be discouraged and downcast. And so looking ahead in chapter 40, God gives them some preemptive words of encouragement. These words were meant for the people of God who would be experiencing the hardship and deprivation under Babylonian rule. That's what chapter 40 is all about. In fact, look at how chapter 40 starts in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The Lord is saying, 
when you are under my hand of judgment, there will come a time where you think the Lord has abandoned you. But understand that the Lord still has a plan for his people. This time of judgment and captivity will come to an end. And God will show you his plan for his nation and for the entire world. In fact, the beginning of chapter 40 begins with talking about God sending the Messiah. A forerunner that would come to prepare the way for the glory of the Lord. The the, the Christ, Jesus, who would come. And then after he promises the Messiah... He comforts them by reminding them of his own character and nature. And at the end of this chapter, it's interesting, God directly addresses his people's weariness. God is anticipating how his people would feel. And he addresses that. And so this chapter is really about Strength for the weary. In fact, I believe that if there were a Mount Rushmore of Bible chapters, chapter 40 would be on that mountain. Along with probably Romans 8 and Psalm 23 and Isaiah 53, something like that. Some of the great chapters in the Bible. Chapter 40 is a powerful passage of Scripture reminding us in our weariness, reminding us of who God is. So what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you three things that you and I need to understand when we find ourselves at the end of our rope. Three things we need to understand when we are weary and exhausted and we're really not doing okay. Three things we need to keep in mind. Number one. I'm going to talk to you about the reality of exhaustion. The reality of exhaustion. Look what it says there in verse 29. And and, and as we read through these next couple of verses, I want you to see the theme that emerges. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint. Notice that word faint. To him who has no might, lacking strength, he increases strength. Verse 30, even youth shall, here it is again, faint, and, another Hebrew word, be weary, and young men shall fall, what's that next word? What's the word? Exhausted. Young men shall fall exhausted. Look at the end of verse 31. He says, they will run and not be any more weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So you see these ideas, weariness, faint, exhaustion, lacking strength. The Lord here is addressing the reality of exhaustion that you and I all must face. And we need to understand that exhaustion can happen on different levels. For example, there is a such thing as physical exhaustion. Can I get an amen? You ever been physically exhausted? Maybe because of things you've been Uh, involved in in the business of life or maybe because of some health issue, but you feel physical weariness. You don't have the, 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 the physical wherewithal to get up and go and fulfill God's purpose for your life. You're, you would say this morning, resolutions? 
I had a hard time getting out of bed today. Exhaustion can be physical, but it can also be emotional. Emotional exhaustion. Because of what you're experiencing, what you're going through, what you're dealing with. Your emotions can be on edge and can be raw. And you just don't like the way that you feel. And you don't like your emotional state. And you're a little bit miserable because you are emotionally exhausted. Sure, people see you walking around and going to work and all of that. Coming to church. But emotionally, you are depleted. There's a third level of exhaustion. And that is spiritual. Spiritual exhaustion. Where you just just feel distant from the Lord. Spiritually dry. Maybe a bit stagnant. And instead of actively, fervently serving King Jesus, you are stuck in spiritual neutral. Could I be talking to somebody today? Exhaustion can be physical, emotional, spiritual. Claire and I lived for 20 years in the Memphis area and There wasn't a lot of winter weather, but about two or three times a year, a front would come through and would bring ice and some snow, and everything would shut down. And when you knew that weather was coming, you had to get to the grocery store. If you got there too late, kind of like hurricane here in Florida, if you got there too late, the shelves were depleted. They didn't have what you needed. You might need some water or milk or bread, the, the, the things that sustain us. And if you, if you didn't get there on time, the shelves would be empty. And again, if you and I were being honest today, many might say, my physical shelves are empty. My emotional shelves are empty. My spiritual shelves are empty. I'm depleted. I'm exhausted. That's the reality of exhaustion. The fact that God addresses it means something, doesn't it? That God speaks to this means that this is a an issue that we deal with. But secondly, I want you to see not only the reality of exhaustion, but the reasons for exhaustion. Why does this weariness come into our lives? Look what it says in verse 30. Even youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. Why? Why does this weariness come? Well, there are a lot of reasons, and I'm not going to be exhaustive this morning. That would take the rest of the day. But I do want to look at the the context of this passage 
and discern some reasons that God's people were feeling weary and perhaps apply some of those reasons to our lives. For example, we can feel weary if we are living outside of God's will. Chapter 39, we see Hezekiah's sin. We see Hezekiah's lack of concern for the next generation. We see that Hezekiah's leadership is is indicative of the people's spiritual condition. And God says, I'm going to send Babylon one day to judge my people, to overthrow them. I'm going to use another empire to bring judgment against my chosen people. And the Jews went through some very difficult times because God was not preeminent in their nation, in their families, in their individual lives. They sowed rebellion, and in Babylon they were reaping the consequences of that rebellion. And let's just be honest, when... The Lord is not first and foremost in your life. When there are some other gods in your life, some idols in your life, when you sow that kind of mindset and focus, you will reap the consequences of God not being first in your life. Right? I have. There have been times when... My relationship with the Lord was not as it should be. And I experienced the the consequences of that. And it brought me to a place of, of spiritual exhaustion, weariness. And so maybe you're exhausted because you're just tired of living outside of the will of God. But here's the good news. God loves you. And you don't have to keep living like that. Amen? Secondly, difficult circumstances can be a reason for exhaustion. As families were separated, when the Babylonians came to conquer Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, they took... Thousands back to Babylon, left the poorest of the land to tend the the, the areas around Judea. It was a very, very difficult time for this nation. And they would be experiencing financial difficulties. They would be experiencing difficulties just trying to provide for their families There would be relational issues. There would be be the, the fear of the unknown. They were dealing with all kinds of difficult circumstances. And God knew that would make them weary. That's why Psalm 40 verse 1 starts, I mean Isaiah 40 verse 1 starts with, Comfort, comfort my people. 
who knew they would need a word of encouragement to speak to their weariness, living in difficult circumstances. They were struggling to subsist and thrive. Life was hard. How about you? Have you made the discovery yet that life is hard? Anybody? Anybody? And the difficulties of life can just wear us down physically, emotionally, spiritually. Third, another reason for exhaustion is God's delay. God's delay. Look what it says in verse 27 of Isaiah 40. The Lord speaking to his people, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way? Here's what they were saying. My way is hidden from the Lord. My right is disregarded by my God. The people who were in captivity were saying, God is not paying attention to us. God has abandoned us. God has neglected us. Why are you saying that? They wanted God to come and deliver them from captivity and exile. They wanted God to restore the splendor and grandeur of the nation of Israel. They wanted God to to come back and, 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 and help them rebuild Jerusalem and the temple so God could be worshipped in that city. And they were asking God, God, help us. God, deliver us. God, come to our rescue. And there were years, there were even decades... Where God did not come. And they were worn down by God's delay. Maybe this morning you are experiencing some delay. When it comes to something you're asking God to do in your life. In your marriage. In the lives of a loved one, a child, or a grandchild. Some way you need God to show up and help you in some difficult situation. And you're asking and you're hoping. And it seems like God is taking his time. You feel that delay. And here's the danger When we expect God to work on our timetable, inevitably, when there is delay, we wonder if God cares. You ever been there? I mean, just honest. We're talking honest this morning. You ever been through a situation so difficult and you're asking God to move and you don't see God's hand at work and you think, does God really care about me? I remember years and years ago, I had a, a faithful church member, a deacon. He had his own small business. He had all kinds of issues going on with his, with his family, personal issues. He had all kinds of issues going on professionally with his business. And it was, it was as close as I've seen, I think, to someone actually going through Job-like suffering. 
I mean, you name it. This guy was going through it. He was such a sweet, tender soul. And he came to me one day, and in a moment of honesty, he said, Pastor Wade, I'm just trying to figure out what I've done wrong. I'm trying to figure out if God cares about me, if God loves me. He was so overwhelmed by God's delay, God's rescue, God's intervention. He did not come to his rescue on his timetable. He was so overwhelmed by that that he wondered if God even cared about him anymore. And that, that's what was going on in the nation of, of, of Judah and Israel. Decades in captivity. They're thinking, God, do you know we're here? And they were weary. So God addresses them. And there's a final reason in this text, in this passage, for exhaustion. And it's this. We all come to a place where we just reach our limits. Look what he says in verse 30. There's a little uh, conjunction there to begin the verse. And it's meant to contrast. And it says there, even, there's that word even, even youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall fall exhausted. So it's as if the Lord is saying through Isaiah that that weariness is something that everyone deals with. Even the, the strongest among you, physically speaking, have limits. And sometimes you and I experience physical, emotional, spiritual weariness because we're finite. We have limits of what we can bear and manage and deal with. John Oswald, New Old Testament scholar, says this. Even the most vital on earth must eventually be worn down. Their strength has its limits. Humans at their most vigorous are mortal and fallible. They have their physical limitations. And Ray Ortland says it like this. We are no match for the demands of life. Have you experienced that? We, in our weakness... Our finiteness, our limitations, we are no match for the hardships and difficulties that we deal with walking through this world. And so sometimes our weariness may just become, may become because we're not God. And life is hard is more than we can bear. And it's worn us down. I watched a video, it's been years ago, but I watched a video about the, the world's strongest man. It was a real quick video of him breaking the record with the deadlift. Now, I don't forget how much weight was on that bar, but, but I mean, the bar was bent over when he picked it up. And, and, and this, this mountain of a man comes and he, and he takes this world record amount of weight and he lifts it up. And the weight was so great that the, the blood vessels in his eyes burst. His eyes got all red. 
which is the body's way of saying, you may be the strongest man in the world, but you have limits. You have limits. You may be here this morning and you think, I'm good, Pastor Wayne, I'm strong. I'm strong. I got this. I can handle it. I'll deal with it. I'll pick myself up by the bootstraps and keep on keeping on. But I want you to know the Bible says even youths grow weary. You have your limits. I have my limits. And when we reach those limits and go beyond those limits, weariness, exhaustion sets in. And we wonder if we can make it through the next week. So, you say, Pastor Wade, do you have a word for me this morning? It's all been a bit depressing. We talked about the reality of exhaustion, the reasons for exhaustion. Well, I'm grateful that at the end of this chapter, we see the remedy for exhaustion. The remedy for exhaustion. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint, to him who has no might, he increases strength. Verse 31, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. The Lord is the answer. When we find ourselves in a place of weariness. And really there are just two, two takeaways as to how when you, you and I remedy spiritual, physical, emotional weariness. Number one, and this is so important, and this is not just preacher talk. This is so very important. Listen to me. Remember who God is. A.W. Tozier famously wrote, What a person thinks about God is the most important thing about them. Because what you think and believe about God matters for how you live your life. And matters for how you trust God and lean upon God when you find yourself in difficulty. So you need to make sure you believe the right things about God. And you need to make sure that you keep clinging to who God is. So Isaiah 40 is about reminding his people, this is who I am. First of all, we see in this chapter, God is eternal God. Look in verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God. That speaks of the eternality of God. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is outside of time. He is eternal. And if you think about that very long, it'll begin to hurt your brain. We in our finiteness, in our temporal realities, have a difficult time wrapping our minds around eternality. But God is eternal. No ending, no beginning. That's who God is. He created this world you're living in. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows what you're going through. Eternal God. God is creator God. Look in verse 28. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Starting 
January 1st, I began my Bible reading plan for 2024. And it always starts right there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow. Breathtaking power. He speaks and the created order leaps into existence. That's what the Bible says, and we're reminded here, He is the creator of the ends of the earth. Listen, you think the creator of the ends of the earth can't handle what you're going through? God is eternal God. God is creator God. God is infinite strength. Look in verse 29. He gives, I'm sorry, end of verse 28. He does not faint or grow weary. He gives power, verse 29, to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. God is strength with no limitations. He possesses all power, all power at his disposal. Theologians call this the omnipotence of God. God is strength. That he can bring to bear on your life. He is infinite strength. And you think your life is complex? You having a hard time figuring things out? God is fathomless wisdom. Look in verse 29. The last phrase in that verse. I'm sorry, verse 28. His understanding is unsearchable. In other words, you can't figure out how much God knows. He knows everything. This is the omniscience of God. God knows everything perfectly. Perfect knowledge is at His disposal. He is fathomless wisdom. You say, wait, I can't figure my life out. Well, guess what? You don't have to. Because there's a God who is fathomless wisdom. But I got one more attribute of God I want to share with you that comes from Isaiah chapter 40. And this is the one that many in this room have trouble believing. I say, God is eternal. You say, Amen. I say, God is creator. You say, Amen. God is all-powerful. Amen, preacher? God is all-knowing. Yes, I believe that. But this last one is what folks struggle with. You ready? God is tender. Back up in chapter 40 to verse 10. Before God talks about his sovereignty, his power over the created order. He says there in verse 10, Behold, the Lord God comes with might. His arm rules for him. His reward is with him. His recompense before him. You say, yes, God is powerful. I get that. God is God. I believe that. But look at the next verse. He will tend his flock 
like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. I like to think about big picture themes. God's reminding me of or teaching me in my reading of Scripture. And if you ask me, what's one major theme that stood out in your Bible reading in 2023? I just kept seeing it over and over again. I would say the tenderness of God. And again, some of you in here say, really? I mean, does God care for me like that? Like a shepherd gently leading or even carrying his sheep? You struggle to believe in the tenderness of God, his care, his concern for your individual life. Some of you this morning think God doesn't care. You think he's forgotten you. And Isaiah 40 is written to address that mindset. To say, no, no. He's a gentle shepherd. He cares about what you are dealing with. You know, God proved this for you and for me. If we ever wonder if God loves us as much as a shepherd loves his sheep, he proved it for us. He proved it when he sent his only son, Jesus, to this earth. He, he so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son, Jesus, to come to this earth and go to the cross and take your sin and shame and my sin and shame to take our guilt and die on the cross in our place as our substitutionary atoning sacrifice. And here's what the Bible says about the cross. Jesus' death for you and for me. It says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates or God proves his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, the cross is the supreme demonstration of God's love and care and concern and tenderness towards you. You ever wonder if God cares? Just look to the cross. The cross declares the tender heart of God towards you and your life and your circumstances. God is is tender. The point of this passage where God reminds us of his attributes is this. Even when answers or actions from God are delayed, it doesn't mean that God lacks awareness or ability. Did you hear me? Let me say it again. The point of this passage is that even when answers or actions from God are delayed, it doesn't mean that God lacks awareness or ability. He cares and he can handle it. Which leads to the second remedy for exhaustion. Remember who God is. Second, wait for the Lord. Wait 
for the Lord. Look what it says there back in Isaiah 40, verse 31. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. There's a a direct connection between waiting for the Lord and having your strength renewed if you feel exhausted or weary or faint. And so here's the big question. What in the world does it mean to wait on the Lord? I've actually pondered this a lot. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Here's my answer, and I believe it comes from the Scriptures. To wait on the Lord is to maintain confident, patient trust that God will come through. To maintain confident, patient trust that God will come through. Over the break between Christmas and New Year's, we were able to go and spend some time with our families over in Perry. We're at my my dad's house with him and his wife, and dad gave me a job. He gave me a chore. My, My job was to get the fire pit going. We had a lot of people over, and we could sit around the fire pit and make spores and all that. And so I, I uh, started the fire, and when it first began, it was it was just it was low, and and I had to really nurse it. I had to really, you know, uh, make sure it had the fuel that it needed. I would I would blow on a little bit to to help it to to grow brighter and stronger. And I was really I was really just kind of watching over that fire, so it would begin to to grow brightly and burn brightly. And that's what I mean by the word maintain. When I say wait on the Lord, you and I need to we need to watch over our trust in God. We need to watch over our faith to make sure that we are confident in who God is and patient listen believing that God will come through that's what it means to wait on the Lord God will come through for his glory and ultimately for your good David talked about waiting on the Lord. He went through many difficult times. And in Psalm 27, 13, and 14, he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said, I'm going through difficulty. I'm surrounded by enemies. But I believe God will come through. Then he says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Confident patient expectation that God will come through. You and I have to maintain that. We have to keep that, that faith and trust in who God is kindled. we got to give it some attention. We need to read the Word to kindle that kind of faith and trust. We need to, to talk to God and pray to kindle that kind of faith and trust. We need to be around God's people so we can kindle that kind of faith and trust. We need to get together and sing songs of the faith to, to kindle that, that faith and trust. We need to maintain it. Hang on to it. Wait for the Lord. And here's what happens when you remember who God is and wait on the Lord. First of all, two places I want you to underline in your Bible. Underline the word renew. Renew. It says, 
They wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. This Hebrew word was used in other places of grass sprouting again or a tree putting forth fresh shoots. Renewal here means a fresh start. When you remember who God is and wait on Him, He will give you endless supplies of strength, the Bible says, to move forward physically, emotionally, spiritually. You say, wait, how do you know He wants us to move forward? Well, look what it says there in verse 31. He says, or in verse 31, they shall run. That's moving forward, amen? And not be weary. They shall walk. That's moving forward and not faint. God is, is, is giving you the strength if you wait on Him to move forward in your spiritual journey. Renew. He'll give you that new start that you need. He will come through. But then I want you to underline the phrase mount up. One word in the Hebrew, mount up in the English. He says, they wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. The word mount up means to ascend or to climb. And this is before, this is written before the days of rocket ships or airplanes or helicopters. The, the, the thing that the psalmist thought about or, the, or Isaiah thought about to speak of ascending or climbing, he was thinking about an eagle because an eagle would go high in the sky. He says, if you'll remember who God is and wait upon the Lord, you will mount up on a wing, on wings like an eagle. You will soar on wings of faith. Here's what that tells me. And I want you to come in close and listen for a moment. Because I think this is critical. God's desire for your life, listen to me, is not to just get by. His desire for your life is not just to go through the motions. His desire for your life is not just to make it to the weekend. God wants you to soar on wings of faith. And that'll happen if you remember who God is and wait on Him. The biblical example of waiting on the Lord is Abraham. How could it not be? When he was 75, the Lord appeared and said, I'm going to create a, a, a new nation through your descendants. And Abraham says, well, I'm 75, I don't have a child. The Lord says to Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a child, a child of faith, a child of promise. Abraham wavered some after that because he didn't see the promise coming to fulfillment. He tried to take matters into his own hands, got into some trouble with that. And then at 99 years of age, God comes through, appears to Abraham and says, this time next year, you and Sarah are going to have a child, a biological child. He was 99, she was 90. So think about this. From 75 to 99, Abraham had to wait on the Lord. Right? He had to wait. And he had some weak moments. But big picture, Romans 4 tells us what Abraham was dealing with in that time period. Romans 4.19 says this, He did not weaken in faith. 
verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Listen, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. The Bible says, in that time period, 75 to 99, Abraham grew stronger in his faith. Big picture. Why? He waited on the Lord. He ultimately believed that God would come through. And he did. And so, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Wade, life doesn't make sense. Can't figure it out. My encouragement is, wait for the Lord. He will come through. He's tender, like a shepherd caring for a sheep. God cares about you. Wait for the Lord. You say, Pastor, wait, I've prayed and I've prayed and nothing changes. Wait on the Lord. He will come through. Pastor Wade, life is really, really hard. Wait on the Lord. He will come through. You might say, I'm too empty to serve God. I have nothing to give. Wait on the Lord. He will come through. I'm burned out. Wait on the Lord. He will come through. Pastor, wait. I don't know that I have the strength or wisdom to fulfill God's calling on my life. Wait on the Lord. He will come through. Pastor Wade, I'm just going through the motions. Wait on the Lord. He will come through. Pastor Wade, I have nothing left to give. Wait on the Lord. He will come through. You might be real honest this morning. Say, Pastor Wade, I am desperate. Wait on the Lord. He will come. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.